Any Bill Murray fans in the in the congregation today? Yes, yes. Caddyshack. What about Bob? Or my favorite, Groundhog Day. Just passed. Didn't watch it this year. Shame on me. There have been reported sightings of Bill Murray showing up in unexpected places in recent years and doing things like this. Walking up to someone in a restaurant and taking a french fry from their plate and eating it and saying, no one will ever believe you. Or walking up behind a gentleman using a public restroom and covering his eyes with his hands and whispering in his ears, no one will ever believe you. Bill Murray was spotted riding a children's bicycle through Walmart. Well, it turns out that the reports are true. Bill Murray does such things, and there is video footage of him randomly and unexpectedly showing up at some college student's house party, drinking beer with them and playing tambourine in the live band that was playing in the house. There's a documentary of this. And the response to Bill Murray sightings is always one of shock, because you don't ever expect Bill Murray to just show up at your college house party and start doing your dishes for you, which he did. You see, we Christians, uh, we have too low expectations of our God showing up and doing unexpected things. And you see, God wants to surprise us. God wants to show up and do more than we could ever imagine And the truth of that stands out powerfully in our story from the gospel today. So we're going to walk through this passage. If you want to follow along in your bulletin, if you have a Bible with you, we're in Luke chapter 5, very beginning of the chapter. The setting is this. Jesus is, as many times, being pressed in upon by crowds who are eager to hear him teach. And so there's this young man named Simon Peter who is just a fisherman. And Jesus says, I'd like to use your boat and push out a little bit from the shore so I can have a safe place to teach without being stampeded by this crowd. It's a request. That's our first R for the day. We're going to be on an R theme just to give you a heads up. You see, Jesus makes a request. He uses Peter's simple resources for his purposes. See, Jesus can use anything for his purposes, even the most simple things. We need not be people of great skill or possessions or power to be used by Jesus. And we read that Jesus says to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch, a request, a crazy request, in fact, For a couple of reasons. One, fish in the lake of Gennesaret fed mostly at night. I don't know if that's like a universal thing that fish come out at night. And so daytime was not really the time for fishing. And it's daytime. The second thing is that the nets they were using were called trammel nets. And trammel nets were visible to fish if you use them in the daytime. And so fish learned to avoid them. Which is why Peter says we were out all night fishing and not catching anything. See, God's requests are often outrageous. Those nudges that we get, those whisperings that we get 
are often outrageous. They seem outrageous to us. Go talk to the woman over there sitting on the curb. Yeah, the one who looks crushed by herself smoking a cigarette. Go talk to her. I want you to sponsor this child. Why don't you, why don't you pray over your lunch in front of your coworkers today? Why don't you volunteer to lead that ministry? And here's what happens next in the story. Rationalization. We rationalize our way out of listening to these nudges from God, from these requests. Peter says, Lord, we've been out all night fishing, so we haven't caught anything. And, you know, to be honest, we're the fishermen and uh, you're just like this carpenter guy. And we kind of know about how fishing works. And so um, it really no point in putting our nets in. But if you say so, okay, okay, Jesus, you're going to embarrass us in front of the crowd. And they he puts in the net. He has his he, he and his friends put down the net. It's a simple act of obedience despite his doubt. And what happens is that we get our next R, a revelation. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. I was waiting for some of you to laugh when I was reading that out there in the gospel. It's a pretty humorous Seen, in fact, it's meant to be an outrageous picture of what's happening here. A revelation of the glory of who Jesus really is. And you see, those, those nudges that we get, they need only be responded to with simple obedience. Don't let doubt about your own abilities to respond, to do something that God challenges you to do. Don't let doubt about what might happen hinder you from simply obeying. Let me tell you just a quick story, just a, a little example of something like this. I had been going to a, a recent pl- a place around here, local place for, for coffee um, for quite a while, and I noticed that the same guy was serving me my coffee for a few weeks, and I thought, well, this is his day to be here, and I'm being here, and um, it was always a polite exchange, and here's my mug, and he fills it, and I pay him and go on my way and wish him a nice day, and I kept felt the Lord drawing him to my mind that I should... Pursue him, that I should reach out to him. And so one day I just thought, okay, Lord, he might think I'm a fool. I'm here. I'm obviously a priest. He's probably going to think I'm just here to try to, you know, convince him to believe what I believe. And uh, I was doubtful, but I just reached out and I said, hey, by the way, my name is Cameron. And he shook my hand and told me his name. And we began to talk about our families. And he had, had just had a little boy. And wouldn't you know it, within... Three weeks, we were out having lunch together, talking about our lives, and I had an opportunity to share about the grace of God. I had doubt, but I just, I just went for it. And I think and hope and pray that Jesus is doing something in his heart, and we still have a friendship to this day. See, you mustn't brush off the nudges. Don't brush them off. Don't let doubt get in the way. Peter was full of doubt, and he did it anyway. Now, our next R is that we get a response to the revelation, a response from Simon Peter. But when Simon Peter saw it, that is the full nets, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, 
Lord, for I am a sinful man. See, earlier in the, uh, earlier in the passage, he called him master, which is a word for teacher. And now he calls him Lord. You see, Peter immediately becomes aware in the presence of the majesty and glory of God in Jesus of his own unworthiness. And Jesus responds like this. Peter, you're darn right, you dirty, rotten sinner. You had better get out of my presence because I'm holy. Jesus says this. Don't be afraid. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. See, when we get just a taste of the majesty of God, like the prophet Isaiah did in his vision in our reading today, he had a very similar response. Peter's response is very similar to Isaiah's, who says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. In the presence of the glory of God, we become aware of our unworthiness to stand in his presence. We become aware of our sinfulness, of where we fall short. You see, our need... For God's grace, it becomes increasingly real to us as we recognize our distance from him. That's what happens to Peter. Imagine Jesus coming to your house for dinner. Modern day Jesus, he's in jeans and a button up. And his gaze just pierces you with love and solemnity and joy and compassion. And you're showing him around the house and you're comfortable with him in the living room and the dining room. Even showing him your bedroom because you made the bed since Jesus was coming over. But in your closet in your bedroom, there's a list posted visibly on the wall of all of the things that you entertain that you know you shouldn't. And the relationships that are broken that you know you could mend them by offering forgiveness. And all of the things that you would be incredibly ashamed if Jesus saw. Things that you know he wouldn't approve of. How do you feel as he gets close to the closet? Anxious? Afraid? Don't go in there. Guilty? Shame? Peter experiences all of that in this moment. And Jesus' presence. And Jesus responds, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Peter, of your guilt and your shame and your sin, because that is what I came to deal with. See, why can Jesus say to any of us, do not be afraid? Why can he release anyone from their guilt and their fear and their shame? Why can he draw us into himself rather than push us away? Because on the cross... He took all of the guilt and all of the shame and all of the sins that are on the list in the closet and he took them into himself and absorbed them into himself and took them to the grave so that those who call upon his name have their slate wiped clean, their list destroyed and are set free from guilt and shame and enslavement to sin. In our uh, Eucharistic prayer today, we're going to hear the line, you have made us worthy to stand before you. Because what he did on that cross was impart to us his own righteous standing before God, free of charge. 
as a gift to be received. Now, our next R is this. There's a reorientation. There's a reorientation that happens after this revelation and this response from Peter. You see, once we seek refuge in Jesus, we are set free and we are reoriented to a new life. First John chapter 1 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Brothers and sisters, that's freedom. That's true freedom. To be able to stand before a holy God, unashamed, forgiven, worthy, embraced by his love. That's freedom. And he reorients us. He gives us a new life. Jesus says to Peter, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. This is great if you read how the story progresses, because this is just this no-name fisherman, maybe in his teenage years at this point. Kind of rash, stupid sometimes. Doesn't think before he speaks. You know Peter. And Jesus says, you will go on to catch people. It will be your new vocation. I've been reading through the book of Acts lately. And Peter is in Acts, and Acts takes place after Jesus has died and uh, and been raised from the dead and ascends back into heaven to be with the Father. And Peter is giving sermons throughout the book of Acts. And I just read his first two sermons the other day. And after his first sermon out in public, outside of the temple, Luke, the author of Acts, tells us that 3,000 people called upon the name of the Lord. And then after his second sermon, he must get better, Because 5,000 people call upon the name of Jesus and come to know him and believe in him for the forgiveness of sins and for eternal life. I got to figure out what Peter's doing. (laughs) Friends, what kind of life, what kind of purpose, what kind of meaning might be there for you when you listen to the nudges, to the Holy Spirit? Whispering, wanting to reorient you, take us away from our distractions and realign us with God's good purposes to reach this world. What might that look like? Then we read this at the end of the passage and I love it. It says, when they had brought their boats to shore, this is Peter and James and John who will become, you know, chief apostles. When they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. They didn't have a fish fry or go to the fish market and become millionaires. They left everything and followed him. Underline that if you've got a pen in your reading and, and take it home with you. And when you wake up every day this week, read those words. They left everything and followed him and ask him, Lord, what is it that you're asking me to leave behind? What is on that list in the closet that needs to be done away with? What is distracting me from following you with everything? Who knows what might happen? In New York City, 1911, uh, one of the most famous fires of history broke out in the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Someone had tossed a uh, hot cigarette butt too close to a scrap heap of hot and caught fire and 
began to quickly spread. And onlookers uh, tragically watched people jumping from the 8th, ninth, and 10th floor to an untimely death. And inside, what happened when the fire started was the factory manager, Samuel Bernstein, grabbed some buckets of water and began to pay attention to the flames that were immediately around him. And he kept filling up buckets and trying to put out the flames and filling up buckets and putting out, trying to put out flames to no avail. So then he ordered some employees to grab a fire hose and turn on the veil, but there was no pressure. And historians of the fire say that if Bernstein had not become distracted by the flames right in his immediate surrounding and put all his attention there and instead begun evacuating employees immediately, it's likely that all 47 people who lost their lives that day would have lived. Wow. It leaves me with the question, what's distracting me and my immediate surroundings, my everyday surroundings, from experiencing the power of Jesus that could be working through me to save others, to bring them to know him, to heal, to bless, to repair what is broken in the people that we encounter in our everyday lives. What's distracting us? Friends, there's one of two things that could happen as we walk through those red doors this morning when we leave here. And the first is the same old thing. Little to no expectation of God showing up and doing something amazing to bring people to Jesus. Life as usual, the everyday stuff. Or what could happen is that we start to really listen intently for his voice. And despite our doubt, we act when we believe he just might be nudging us to do something. Oh, Lord, but the woman on the curb, she'd just get annoyed if I went over there. She's already having enough problems. She'd just get annoyed if I went over there. Plus, I don't like the smell of cigarette smoke because it gets me a little (coughs) choked up. So I'm not going to do it. Don't let the doubt win that situation. Who knows what God might do through you when you get that nudge. And so that's the other option, to start listening and to respond to seek him in prayer on a daily basis. Lord, send your Holy Spirit in into my heart so that the gospel really becomes alive so that I believe it's worth telling other people about. So that it makes me aflame with a desire to serve the people in my life in such a way that they would see Jesus in me and look for opportunities where his presence and his power could be revealed through you and whatever resources you have. Peter had a fishing boat, and it all started there. And through him, the Lord reached thousands and thousands and thousands of people because Peter said, okay. When Bill Murray uh, sightings happen or reported, somebody goes to a friend and says, you're never going to believe this. He showed up, and he bought us beer, and he did our dishes. What is the response from the friend? (laughs) No way. You're a liar. Prove it. Prove it. Prove to us that you encountered Bill Murray. Brothers and sisters in Christ, how will we prove to the people in our lives that Jesus is someone we've encountered? Let's pray.
O Lord our God, you have made us worthy to stand before you. And not only that, you have poured out your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that has been given to us to make us able to take what we have and to make it known to others, to invite them to know Jesus, to serve them in his name, all of the people who we see as the least likely to ever darken the doors of a church or come to a Bible study. And those are the people that you want to reach through us. So we ask, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit in the days to come into our hearts, that you would teach us how to seek your Holy Spirit so that the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who, as Paul reminded us today, is simply this, that according to the scriptures, he died for our sins, he was buried, and three days later, he rose from the grave. It is in his powerful name that we pray. Amen.